Alright everybody, welcome back to the Nomad Strength Show. Got a really fun one today, uh, one I've been wanting to hopefully get on the pod for a long time just because I've been such a fan forever and uh, I probably will, maybe I'll get into a couple of embarrassing stories I had at a couple of your shows at some point in this conversation. <laughs> but, <Great. laughs> um, joined by Clint Lowry today, guitar player for Seven Dust and a handful of other bands, solo projects and stuff, but I want to talk about health stuff with you today for a little yes. bit, but <laughs> I know because that's probably a little different than what you usually chat about, but man, thanks for making time. I'm, I'm pumped to talk to you today. Yeah, of course. Yeah, anytime you get, <clears throat> I get an opportunity to talk about health and fitness and the sanity that rings to my life, I, I jump at it, so thanks for having me. Yeah, man, and, and with that, we're kind of in a, caught you in a fun, weird, off month, I guess, because you're completely detached from uh, a lot of social media and everything yeah. else for about a month. You guys are on break from tour and stuff, and you kind of, you you know, you posted that you're shutting it all down for a month, and I've seen you do that, you know, periodically every, you know, handful of months or a few times a year or whatever, so what yeah. is it about that, especially, I imagine, just during touring times that is so helpful for you just to t completely detach from a lot of stuff? Um, I think with me, it's like a personal inventory I do on myself. Uh, it's, it's not a, you know, as we know, social media has amazing pluses. Uh, and there's a lot of great things and opportunity as far as exposure. And there's a lot of people that I follow on social media. that are really inspiring. And then this, there's this really good content. And I guess you can kind of control what your content is to a certain degree. But I found myself, um, like a lot of people, you get 
you get kind of attached to it. Um, it. It ends up being a thing where there are so many things algorithm wise that, that appeal to me mm-hmm. that I find myself spending so much time looking at the things that inspire me, but not doing a lot of the things that <laughs> inspire yeah, me. Right. You know what I mean? So it's a lot of, Oh, that's great. And I love this quote and you know, all the things. And I'm like, I'm not putting any of these into my life, you know? Yeah. So I think, it was more of a challenge. Let me let me check myself. Let me check uh, my ego because a lot of the social media aspects can be driven by ego. Ego and look at me and look what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. and when I was really checking my motives in terms of my post and the, and the things I was the way I was interacting with it, it was more of a let me just kind of check my ego, check mm-hmm. my. Uh, motive for being here and, yeah. and then just kind of step away from it. And I think a cleanse is good and I just need to read more. I need to be a better parent. I need to be focused on my music for a second. And, you know, if I look at screen time like everyone else does. I'm like, That's a lot of time, you know, so <laughs> yeah, seriously. just a, kind of a doing an audit on my life, you know, do you need to be the, the cause I've, I've done them in the past and I've thought I was good enough to do it while still keeping the apps on my phone. But I know if they're even like on my phone, I'm going to open them up. So I have to like delete everything off the phone. Do you do the same? Exactly. Yeah. And it, in the first few days, it's, it's kind of trippy how many times I go to open <laughs> yeah. the, the app and all that. This is a good choice for me, you know, cause I do, there's a lot of things I miss about it, the connections and stuff. But yeah. Yeah, I, it was it was alarming to me how many times I go to my phone and I still like I'll go to Google now and just like <laughs> that's not a social media thing, but it's like, you know, kind it of took, the same thing. It took a couple of days for me the last time I did it, because when you delete it, like my I, I could open it up and go to whatever app it was, if it was Instagram or whatever, just by remembering where it was on the screen. And then for like the first couple of days, that was a different app. So I would like open up this app. I'm like, this is not what I wanted to do. <laughs> like, yeah, this is not Instagram, or whatever, but I've been in that I've done that same thing and it does take a couple of days to really kind of clear and and get to the point where you feel good about where you get good about it because it is kind of like a withdrawal symptom kind of thing like you mentioned like you're checking it you you think you feel something in your pocket or whatever yeah. you're just at a it's habitual you know and you're just like Beard. there's there's nothing going on here but it does take like I don't know for me it's usually like a 48 48 hour ish 72 hour period of like that 100%. withdrawal kind of thing and then I'm fine you know, and yeah. then it's not that difficult anymore. <laughs> you know, and I've, I've got a history with a addiction and, and those type of things. So yeah. my personality just is uh, is one that needs those those voids filled and, mm. you know, social media and that kind of attention and that it fills a void in some way. So uh, I try to steer clear of that yeah. as much as I can. Well, and that was a a big reason why I wanted to talk to you a lot about the health and and fitness part of it, because that kind of is what pulled you out of a lot of that stuff in the past. So when you were, you know, in, in, in prior years living rockstar life on the road, right, there was essentially kind of two versions of, of your life from, you know, just me being a fan and following along. And then when you started, when you got clean and then the health and fitness part became a huge part of it, how was that? transition and what was it a like what kind of training did you find and how did that help fill those those voids like you said oh man uh you know what's looking back um even when i was an active uh, alcoholic out there touring drinking a lot 
when I would come off tour, I would I I, I still leaned on running. I was a hmm. big runner and <clears throat> would would go work out, and I would kind of dry out and have these like ten day periods where I would just like shut it down and get get it healthy again. So there was always a little bit of that fitness. The alcohol was definitely, um, and that that whole lifestyle was taking me away from the fitness my love for Mm -hmm. fitness and all that so it was always this weird balance thing i was trying i always actually told myself well if i can run still and lift weights um i'm not an alcoholic you know (sighs) i I, i'm still okay if i can do these things and i would you know there was a saying that i liked it was uh the body heals and the liar returns Mm. So I would feel good. I'd get re-energized and go back out on tour and just dismantle everything again with alcohol and, yeah. you know, and the fatigue that comes along with that. But um, if once I, when I did get sober, the fitness was my biggest ally. Uh, it, it was, it, it was such a, that healthy addiction. Yeah. I loved the way I felt afterwards. Um, and I just started chasing and I realized ultimately it was more about the mental, uh, clarity that came with it and what it did for my emotional mm-hmm. well-being uh associated with fitness and people realize people are always like you're obsessed with the fitness i'm like i'm obsessed with feeling good i'm obsessed yeah. with what comes to, with my mental health the workouts are great and i love that and there's something about pushing yourself to those limits uh mm-hmm. that make you feel alive but yeah i just i always love fitness but when i got sober it was all in was that uh was that difficult to have that sort of lifestyle that you're, or, or pursuit that you're trying to work on while you're a touring musician? Because those aren't usually things that you would imagine yeah. coexist together. You know what I mean? Well, if you, if you focus, if your focus is like when I was drinking, my focus was drinking. I was really right. good at it, doing it. I knew right. how to find it. I knew where the bars were at. So I put the same zeal toward fitness and there's so yeah. many opportunities to find uh, a, a fit lifestyle on tour gyms everywhere i would mm-hmm. get runners take me to different gyms meet different coaches in different areas and you get this community going when you're looking for it yeah it's there and um there's so many opportunities you know i never really saw the country i've been to every major city uh, at, for years and years and years mm-hmm. and never really saw the city so when I, I now I go on these hikes, I go on these runs, I go on long bike rides, and I see so many amazing places. And uh, so that that's another aspect of it. Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, there's so much to be said about if you are looking for something, you can find if you're determined, if mm-hmm. you know, with the same zeal that I yeah I used to love drinking. So yeah, and I and you when you took on a lot of the fitness stuff and I don't know if you still do it uh the same amount that you did but you really went down the the, the, the CrossFit path like that yeah. was the one that you kind of was attractive to you what was it about CrossFit that pulled you over to that realm of the health world so I had always been a runner lifted weights cosmetically you know yeah. chest buys yep. the typical things the show that muscles. people yeah show <laughs> muscles exactly um, I got introduced to CrossFit from my wife. She was going, she had just had our second, ch- her second child. And so I got into it, fell 
deeply in love with it um, because I already had like an endurance uh, ability capabilities. I didn't have any like serious Olympic lifting training at mm -hmm. all. So I loved the Olympic lifts, fell in love with those because I was so bad at it and exposed all the uh, mobility issues I had thoracically and hips mm -hmm. and all the things that a good Olympic lifting coach can help you with yeah. and help you understand. And so I fell in love with that. Um, didn't realize how bad I was at that. But so then, you know, the Olympic lifts were the huge thing. And then, um, you know, I don't do as much CrossFit, CrossFit as I used to, yeah. but I did learn a tremendous amount during the years that I did it, uh, as far as the lifts and, and, and things like that. And, uh, just so gy gymnastics were a huge thing. Yeah. Uh, it was just, you know, it was, it was fun. I was never a competitive athlete when I was growing up. So it was the only way I could, I was competing and kind of filling that void that I missed as a, as a younger man. Uh, you know, I, I was, mm -hmm. I was entering CrossFit at a master's age. I was like yeah. 39 years old, 40 years old. And you'd competed in the open and like, were, I mean, didn't you almost make a run at regionals one year or something like I, that? I, man, I did. It was one <laughs> year, but you know, it was always one of the workouts that would come to derail my chances. Yeah, you know, that yeah, there's always the weakness. one. Yes. And mine was str uh, strict handstand pushups and yeah. handstand pushups, anything like that. So I hit a wall. Had I trained, you know, cause I have a, a bunch of really good friends, uh, Josh Marunda, you know, He's a, a really good friend. He's doing great. He was in the games this year. Yep. Um, I love those guys, but I just, you know, I always had one foot in, one foot out, and yeah. I didn't, never really properly trained. Uh, I had some amazing people trying to push me, but I didn't I didn't have that extra gear that right. is required to do that, you know. Yeah, it takes, like, to actually be competitive, it takes – the ex, like you said, that extra step in where you're like, okay, I guess I, I'm going to do this now. You know, like you have to make yeah. that decision. I'm going to actually go do the thing instead yeah. of just like, we'll show up and see how it goes. Cause I've been in that, I've, I've been in that boat a couple of times as well. I'm curious how, uh, when you actually took the fitness and the strength and all this stuff seriously, and you're starting to, you know, physically change a lot over the years, how much that impacted and helped while you guys are actually out touring and playing shows and doing all this kind of stuff like could you feel a difference in the before to then just from fitness and how that helps you guys when you're out on the road i mean you know outside of what it does to you physically mm -hmm. yeah i would do these workouts during the day that were just brutal and super intense and all these different things and challenging i would get on stage and i'm like this is used to be a challenging thing to get on stage and really go at it and yeah. now it, it's made that more of like the cool down oh, segment yeah. of my workout yeah. it's nothing nothing that i'm doing on stage is uh close to the intensity or volume or you know the load that goes along with some of those workouts but yeah it definitely made me feel like i had an advantage in terms of perform being a performer what the hugest uh, benefit for me is just the way it it calms the stressors down in mm. my life. It helps me the way that I respond to life, uh, respond to other people's personalities, the way I respond. I, I feel so rejuvenated after a workout comeback and then whatever, I, you know, struggles or obstacles I face during the day or while on tour, missing home, all those things. Mm. It's a lot easier when I got that good workout in me and yeah you hydrated feel good you know and just, you guys started easier. doing you guys started doing the post-show ice baths i saw the, these yeah. last handful of weeks dude how's that been 
It's been fantastic. All right. So I just got out of one. That's why I'm kind of like shivering down. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I, you know, there's so much good data on those and I got my drummer and my guitar player, other guitar player into mm-hmm. it. And it's really more of anything. It's just the bonding thing. We laugh and yeah. you're watching them get into it. <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, especially Morgan, like, you know, he, he's uh, he's always got these elements and things. So I got him into it. He's more, you know, like every day. Can we set it up? Can we set it nice. up? And he's very into it. Um, but yeah, like I said, it, there's the obvious benefits that mm-hmm. everyone knows about, which is it's a big Kool-Aid right now, right? Everyone's yep, doing the totally. ice plunges, you know, yep. it's in everyone's feed. But um, I like it, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm in there. I'm like, what am I doing? You know, is this... <laughs> Is this really working? <laughs> but uh, I used to be so scared of the mental barrier of getting into the water, taking yeah. the cold showers. I, I started reading a few books and it was like, you know, do a minute, three minutes to the cold shower. Yeah. And then I, I was always a wuss when it came to that stuff. But now it's, it's part of my uh, pretty much everyday routine. And pretty soon it'll, it'll start trickling out. And, and pretty soon you're going to have like 30 people around this thing after shows wanting yeah. to do it, I bet. <laughs> start, it's all, oh, it always starts, already, it's, it's crazy. My son and his, his uh, teammates, you know, yep. after football, they want to get in. You know, it's, it's a cool thing to, to do. It's been around forever. but Seriously. Now um, now they just make very expensive little baths. It's unbelievable when I go to look at those things because I'll get them, you know, just like everybody else. It'll come through as an ad on Instagram story or whatever. And yeah. I'll open it up. I'm like, oh, this one looks pretty cool. I wonder how much this is. And it's like four grand or something like that. I'm like, oh, it's yeah. a freaking porcelain tub, man. Like, I don't need yeah. to. Like, I'll just go get cold. I know, like around here in Idaho, like, give me two more weeks and I'll just leave it out overnight and it'll be cold enough. I can't wait for that. I'm going to save so much money on ice. (laughs) My wife's already like, we could have bought the chiller, you know, because the chiller's like a grand. Yeah, exactly. Uh, It's too funny. The, The whole ice bath thing was, I remember starting to do it probably around, well, I can tell you exactly when actually. I was listening to Tim Ferriss, and this was like yeah. right when I started coaching back in 2014-ish, like late 2014, and he had Wim Hof on for the first time like that yes. fall or something like that. And that was like the first time I'd ever heard of Wim, and it was still pretty, like Wim had one book I think at that point, but he wasn't huge yet, but that first podcast with Tim is kind of what blew him up. And right. I remember listening to that and thinking like this crazy old Dutch dude like hikes mountains in his shorts and that's it. I'm like, let's let's see if there's anything to this, you know? And I remember doing some of the breath work, like his, his breath work method and then getting into the ice and doing that kind of stuff like back in 2015 or something like that. And I've been, I mean, you know, that's been a major part of my coaching is like helping the breath work and the ice bath stuff since then. But it's been really cool to see how big that that's become like, and now it's now, like, like we said, it's the trendy thing now because now everybody's got their own products and stuff, but like, it's been around as long as humans have been. I mean, like there's records of like Scandinavian women yeah. giving birth and then like <laughs> dumping their babies in the rivers. You know what I mean? Like right when yeah. they're born, like it's been, but it's cool to see it now, like catch on. Cause I, I've loved it forever, man. Like it's been so fun to have. And so yeah. like seeing everybody else do it, I'm like, ah, oh, yes, we got another one. You know, I was ahead of the curve. <laughs> well, it's not I'm, even that. I'm just like pumped that like other people, I'm like, yes, there's yeah. one more that wants to do it now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause if you're like me and I think you are, it's like when you, when you, there's, I think another thing that with CrossFitters or anyone that works out, 
they they talk about it a lot. They're all really jazzed <laughs> yeah. about it. You know, there's always yeah. that cliche of CrossFitters and vegans. And yep. But um, I think part of it with me is I really want other people to enjoy and, and feel these feelings that I'm feeling. It's like yeah. I honestly, when I I have friends that are older that are dealing with uh, chronic pain of any kind, mm. or I, I want them to find solutions. It makes me generally happy when someone feels better. Or they they figure out a, they unlock something in their potential, you know, and yeah. that it, you know, I think that's part of what it is. It doesn't come off like that. It's a lot of times it comes off like just oh, hush, you know. Like, <laughs> right. Don't bring don't bring up CrossFit. <laughs> right. Don't do it because he'll talk about it. For Get him hours. going. Yeah, but um, I just like the the ice bath is a good example of that. I just mm-hmm. like when people enjoy it and. You it's know. a it's a fun thing, man. The and honestly, I think fitness has that ability, like you said, with with CrossFit, but even just in general, because I think people see when someone's making healthy choices and they start like feeling better, and then they notice changes mm-hmm. happening in that person. It's it becomes attractive to everybody else, and they see that and they're like, "What what's he doing? Like something's yeah. different. He's got something going on." Like, I want to know what he's doing that's making him feel good and he's happier and like he's less stressed and all this kind of stuff. So it, while we're talking about all the things that it does for us, like internally health wise and mentally and stuff like that, I think it's actually just as important for other people to see what it does externally for us too. Like we're kinder, we're more patient, you know, like we're, yeah. we're be- just better people when we're healthier and we're not stressed and like these things can help with a lot of that. So I, I, that's why I think it's so cool. Like when you're doing all this stuff out on tour and you're traveling around, like everybody else that's with you guys, cause you travel with the whole crew and stuff. It's not just, you know, the five of you guys. Right. So it's like everybody else gets to see all that too. And they're like, Oh, he's like totally different than he was 15 years ago or whatever. In a lot of, in a lot of ways, you know, and yeah. the, the health and the training is a big part of that. Yeah. It's funny. <clears throat> I never really thought about it, but, um, it, it is. There's a lot of times when my wife will, I'll come in from a workout and she, or she'll say, you probably should go and, get a workout in you know like and she knows and she used to i used to do a two a lot of two a days and different things and at first she was like that's a lot you know you're doing a lot then she figured out quick that uh, it was it was really important to my my mental health i needed the extra uh workouts and stuff like that uh if it Mm -hmm. was 20 minutes it was a 30 minute little just let me go do this real fast i come back and she she noticed a difference she's like i'm not gonna fight this and you know if that's what you want to do if that's what makes you happy if you if i give you 30 minutes and you give me three hours of a a calmer demeanor uh more patience uh Mm -hmm. more helpful that's going to be a good for everybody you know she'll take that trade (laughs) yeah but then there's also the flip side where you're a, there's people that are obsessed and they're losing, they're missing their responsibilities in their normal life because they're yeah. giving so much time to the gym, so much time to that community and not, and kind of escaping in it. So yeah. there's a balance. You know? Well, and I think a lot of it too, is there's a similarity because you made the analogy earlier about the, the similarities with addictions, right? Like I think mm-hmm. that becomes one for people just the same as any other type of thing will and it becomes like everything to that person. And so they st- end up just being con- yeah. essentially consumed by it, you overtraining. know, it, it, overtraining yeah. and that, you know, it's, it's easier. It seems easier to justify because it's like a healthier pursuit, Absolutely. right? But yeah. it's still doing the same thing in a lot of ways where you're getting sucked away from all, like you said, your responsibilities and your family and all these other things. But like people will be like, Oh, well I'm working out. I'm healthy. I'm like, yeah, 
you well, you're kind of, you're healthy like in this little box over here basically, but like everything else is kind of falling away yeah. because of it. And my kid wants to throw football, you know, and I'm doing <laughs> yeah. like a you know th- three hour session, you know, I'm I'm, I'm going to miss out on a lot, yeah. you know. So it's just finding the the balance of all that, which is everyone struggles with that. Yeah, totally. When you're so the actual training that you're doing now, um, whether it's you know on the road or when you're at home or whatever, are you programming stuff yourself are you following a program from somebody local how what is the type of stuff that you're doing now um well i mean it 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 fluctuates throughout the years and Mm. the interest that i'm at at currently sometimes it i really fell back into running when my son was really into running Mm. so we ended up doing a lot of stuff i I play a lot of basketball with my son and Mm -hmm. uh, different things like that so Whatever I'm, do, my, I'm doing with my kids uh, athletically is usually what dictates my training yeah. now. Yeah. But um, I always have, um, I do actually been here lately. I've been doing a lot of the F3 stuff. Oh, yeah. I just go do, um, I don't know if, if you're familiar with that. Yeah. Um, I do that as a kind of a morning workout, which is usually generally conditioning and mm-hmm. those those type of things. Then I do a strength training segment later on in the day where I do, you know, the basic lifts, the yeah. you know, deadlifting, uh squats and just all the all the lifts. Um but I do I usually have some type of a conditioning element in the morning. Uh and then I'll do strength training later in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh but if it depends if my son like today he wants to play basketball, so I'm gonna I'll go with him, do rebounds, do a few things like that. Then I'll go mm-hmm. do some uh, some lifting or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it, some of my older training has been more spe- specific to uh, lifting. I yeah. go through these phases where I really want to just get stronger. But um, you know, I battle with some some little injuries and chronic things, plantar fasciitis. I've, sure. You know, I, this knee issue, just all the things that happen uh, when you're 51 years old. And, yeah. But I'm just happy to have you know, health enough to generally be able to move my body, generally be able to lift pretty decent. And um, I just I'm more of a maintenance guy now. Sure. Yeah. When you're when you're out on the road, do you bring stuff to train and just do it wherever you stop? Or do you usually like to pop into gyms and and just kind of wherever you are? Or is it a combination of both? It's kind of a nation of both. I have like kettlebells, uh, some medicine ball. I have like a wall ball, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, different things like that, uh, that I just have as a, as a, just an, a fail safe. Like I'll have dumbbells up to forties or whatever, yep. and just things that can ride in the bus. And then I'll usually try to go find gyms, uh, every, at least four days a week when I'm on tour. Yeah. The hotel gym sometimes, you know. Yeah, it probably have better stuff on your bus than a lot of those hotel gyms do. Oh, yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> it's but, you know, so every now and then you'll get like a, you know. But I do a lot of stuff. I, I'm, I have a pellet. I have a pretty decent little home gym. I got a Peloton, a tread. Yeah. Um, rower, obviously. Yeah. Uh, all the weights, all everything at home. So That makes it nice, yeah. dude. I'm, it I'm is, team man. garage gym for life. <laughs> I love it. You know, it's like I invested in, in my health, you know, it was a good mm-hmm. investment. Yeah. Plus you don't have to be under crappy lights and listen to crappy music around yeah. people that aren't training hard. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And there's a, there's a whole culture of people that are on their phones the yeah. whole time. And there's a lot of high school kids that go to my gym 
the only reason I go to the local gym here is because of my son and they like to shoot basketball there. Yeah. I'll just go. They got a few things, lap machines, the things I don't have at the home. Sure. Uh, I wanted to ask you about your guys's the, the way that you guys have been touring lately because or maybe these last couple of years because it seems like what you guys have been what you guys have done is kind of start doing it a little bit differently than a lot of a lot of bands are touring now and you're doing like these shorter you know just a handful of weeks and then off for multiple weeks or six eight weeks or whatever and then just kind of doing those throughout the year instead of like these big six month straight you know, however many hundred plus shows in a row type things, yeah. which I know you guys did in the past, but like, what was kind of the, the, the point to which you decided we need to do something different with how we're doing this? I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm glad that you noticed that. Um, I always wonder if people do, not a lot of people do, but, uh, personally I, I came to a point where I went to the band and, and after years and years and decades of touring, I'm like, you know, there's a threshold that we have as a band every, every after three weeks, the band starts to get a little, the tensions grow, mm. the fatigue sets in the enthusiasm to play starts dying. And then there's the huge thing with me is my family yeah. being away from my family a long time. So I went to the band of a couple of the guys were like, we have to implement a new touring model. It can't go more than three and a half weeks. And if we do, we have, we have to have longer breaks. One, it's just a better, we know our threshold. We know when to keep us in a healthy headspace and not mm -hmm. start turning on each other. Cause there's yeah. been times where every time a band stays out long periods of time, that's when the drama happens. That's sure. when you got men in a, in a metal tube, <laughs> yeah. it's going to start going haywire. I don't care how stable, how stable you are. Uh, so we recognize that in ourselves, recognize that we should probably start doing shorter tours and it's working, you know, mm -hmm. um, makes, keeps us, uh, interested in the process, keeps us, balanced with our family i just i've sacrificed so much time with my family already and i've given a lot to music and i still adore the process and love but i don't want to be out there burn out and the professionally it's just a better thing to not play so much because people get tired of you oversaturate markets you know mm -hmm. it's not it's not useful for us to play all year round and people just start uh, seven dust again, you know, you need to <laughs> right. make, be a little more scarce, you know? And it's interesting. Cause I see I, that to me seems more sustainable mm. for, you know, even, even if you're not guys with families or whatever, like you said, just from an interpersonal relationship thing of the band, like that seems like a much more sustainable way to do it. Cause then I'm seeing, you know, the, like, I think it was, it was Zach Bryan that just announced like next year, he's doing like 10 straight months basically or something like that of yeah. literally like two or three shows every week for basically 10 months. Yeah. And it, and that, you know, seems wild to me, but it you seems like two, two shows a week. Yeah. It's like a weekend warrior thing. See, I would pretty much, I think it's like a Thursday, Thursday, Saturday or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, some weekends, but it's like at least three weeks out of every month from February to November or something like that. Yeah, that's pretty intense. Yeah, and so it, I'm I'm curious if you're thinking that what you guys are doing maybe gets seen and they're like by other bands and they're like, oh, this actually seems pretty nice. Like, man, so <laughs> me, me and Morgan laugh about this all the time. And there's been there's a lot of things that we 
and I'm not to stroke our own ego, but a lot of things we, we brainstorm a lot and we talk and we, we uh, spitball constantly on the model and how can we beat this up? And, and so we come up with these different things. We were one of the first bands to do a VIP experience with the releasing of a record and mm. uh, just a few things we've always had because we're out here all the time. And when, yeah. you, when you're clear, you're analyzing everything. And you're like, what works and what doesn't work? And so I have seen bands start doing less touring. Um, and because it was always the industry model where managers and labels would tell the band, you have to be out there constantly. You have Because yeah. every time you you green light a show the booking agent gets paid the manager gets paid the label loves it they just want you to be out there and then and i understand that aspect but at the same time i've i've circled back to them and say if you want us to continue our career if you want us to not break up if you want us to be uh if you it's not even the less shows a year it's how you do those shows you know you don't have to do five weeks and then we could do three weeks and then take two weeks off and do another three weeks. You know, like sure. it, you can spread it out, but it's having those light at the end of the tunnel. I'm going to be home in two weeks as opposed to I'm going to have to wrap my head around being away for seven weeks, six weeks. It's, it's yeah. just unhealthy. And we've introduced the new model. They always said you can't do it because the, the expenses, shorter t- tours don't work because you do a startup cost to the tour. Right. And I challenged all of that. I'm like, I don't, I don't believe, I believe we can do it either that or we break up. So there won't be any income. So you have to figure out a way yeah. to make this happen. You yeah. Know? Did you, do you think that that worked because you guys had been doing that? Like, do you think that would work for somebody that like a brand new band or do you, do you think it was more beneficial because of where you guys were at the time? I think it only works for a band that's obviously uh, self-sustainable. They don't need yeah. any tour support, and they're making enough money to do that. Um, I definitely think as a baby band, newer band, it's it's grind time. Yeah, you're gonna just be out <laughs> you, there. <laughs> you have to be out there. You know, like I, we did that, and yeah. I don't think there was any other way around it. And I loved it back then. You could, you could I could stay on tour forever. I was mm-hmm. in my twenties and thirties, like bring it on. Yeah, yeah. but now knowing our threshold now it's different and from an income standpoint too i've seen uh in the creator and and artist space like and even yourself you started using uh, patreon yeah recently which seems like that's a really cool way to supplement this this whole thing anyways by getting some more like direct to audience support financially but then also get like connection with community and and the the people that like the music and stuff. And it seems like those types of things are also helpful in maybe making the less touring possible in the model that you're talking about, you know? Yeah. I had to have that. Um, I like doing it. I think if the Patreon thing can be very cool, if you have value, if there's things that, that people can come and actually get there that actually, you know, that people are interested in having. There's yeah. a ton of really good patrons. I'm, I'm a, I have a couple of people that I follow that just have really cool content and stuff. And, and I like supporting artists, you know, mm-hmm. if it's, it's cool, it's a good way to just kind of, like you said, stay connected with people. Um, I love all the people that are the patrons I have. I don't have a tremendous amount, but I, the ones I do, they're, they're great, you know, and 
and you do some them. you do some cool stuff with them too like show you know kind of playthroughs of songs and writing processes and stuff like that yeah. was that kind of what you wanted to do with it what was kind of your thought when you were putting it together well i was doing um during the pandemic i i started doing zoom uh writing sessions where i would invite 20 people 10 or 20 people and they would sit in and we would you know do like mm-hmm. they i would share the screen and they could see me actually working and then I started the Patreon after that, uh, do some uh, thinking I'll kind of do the same thing, but offer uh, like the playthroughs and different mm-hmm. things like that. And there's like a discord where we we chat every single day. And that's cool. Yeah, it's a cool community. I try to give them like things that I would want an artist to show me. Like if I was in Trent Reznor's, you know, <laughs> Patreon, I'm like, hey, Trent, show me the stems for... <laughs> You know this one song, and, and yeah. like, yeah, I'll show you everything behind the curtain. Like, that's yeah. funny. That's uh, yeah, that's a cool way to go about it. Because there's a lot of guys in the, a lot of people in the, like the podcast space, and even in the the fitness space that have like these private communities and stuff. And uh, there's a couple that I that I have that I'm a, that I'm a follower of that are cool. Um, but I think, like you said, it it really only works if you've actually got cool stuff like behind them because you know like if your stuff is cool that's free you have to make the stuff that's behind the paywall even cooler than that so so people actually want to pay yeah (laughs) exactly i Uh, i used used to post a few things on instagram like man that that should probably have been patreon exclusive (laughs) you know that was really good because i know they're watching it like hey man we're over here we're like (laughs) we're paying for this content yeah (laughs) that's funny uh, we got a few minutes before you got to head out. So, um, I wanted to tell you, I had this, I, I told my friend that was with me at this night that I would tell you this story because it's hilarious okay. and embarrassing from me being a 16 year old at the time. So this was like the, oh, shoot, I was 16. So this would have been, or 17 or something like that. So I think this would have been like your first tour back. So this was like the cold day memory tour okay. and you guys were playing up here in Boise at the at the knitting factory and uh right next door is this it's actually gone now but there's this bar that used to be called hey penny it's like connected to the concert house yeah and uh we were standing in line we're like hanging out before and my uncle and his friend uh were there like meeting us down there and his friend comes out and he goes comes to me and my two buddies and he goes hey you guys want to like go go over there and uh, we're like, what? And he goes, look, look in the window right there. And LeJean and Morgan, and I think one of your guys' techs was in the restaurant just like hanging out before the show or whatever. And yeah. our, well, my uncle's friend had been in there talking to him and just like chatting him up. And he had known him from being in town a couple times before. So he goes, he's like, I told him that you guys want to come say hi, like go in and say hi or whatever. And we're like, are you serious? Like what? So we like walk in there and we're in the bar and we're 16 and nobody stopped us like we were walking in, right? And yeah. so it was already, we're, kind of feeling awkward because we knew we weren't even supposed to be in the building <laughs> so we like yeah. walk walk yeah. in and we just awkward yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> like who's gonna stop us first yeah, and yeah. throw us out so we go Play and we it sit cool kid yeah, exactly we go and we sit next to him just like out of nowhere and the three of us are just like kind of doing the side eye looking over at him and i don't even remember what we said but i think lejean started asking us questions and we're and like so obvious what we were doing like we're literally wearing seven dust shirts and it's just yeah. like yeah we're here to talk to you guys but they were both awesome and talked to us for like three or four minutes and then you're know, like all right well we'll go we'll, like have a good show or whatever and it was just like the most you could like imagine the most awkward interaction 
of a, like a group of 17 year olds and one of their favorite bands and like meeting it was just the funniest thing ever and every time we t- like go to a show one of your guys' shows like even in years past we always bring up like remember when we actually were just idiots and yeah. were losers for like five minutes <laughs> meeting the three of them dude, this, it, it, it the is funniest so far, thing dude <laughs> it's so far from being a loser or idiot there like we we especially Lejean. Morgan loves those interactions. Like we're not <laughs> the type, and that's another thing about to touring less. Because if you, yeah, the less you, the less you play, the more um, threshold you have for that. And given those kids that mm-hmm. we were really adamant about just having every time you interact with someone, man, you got to give them a little bit of love. You got to, you know, even if, if, if they're obnoxious, if they're kind, if they're awkward, if they're shy, you know, just mm-hmm. try to interact with them because it, it sticks. Yeah. If they're cool, it <laughs> yeah. sticks. And if it, if they're not cool, that sticks too. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? And so like, you know, nervous kids, we see them all the time and it's like, Hey, what's up, man? I, yeah. I get it. You know, we're just, we're the dorky fans too. When we <laughs> right. meet people, you know, it's like, well, oh. it was so funny, man. And it makes me feel better that you don't think that we were losers. Cause we totally nah. felt like it every time we talk about Dude. it. <laughs> no, that makes it makes us feel great, man. Yeah. It's like, you know, you have these young people that are interested in meeting our old asses, you know, <laughs> right. Funny. That's awesome. Uh, before we, before I let you get out of here, I want to ask too, um, from a, from a music standpoint, and I'll, I'll let you, pump the new album and stuff like that in a second too. Um, I'm curious things that you are listening to lately. Like, is there any stuff that you've been into a ton lately that's either new or you're just going back and grinding through it again and what you, what you've been listening to, man, you know, I have such a weird playlist thing. I'm very routine. I, 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 when I run, I listen to the like real chill R and B stuff. And like, it's absolutely like I'll put on that chill radio and just like, I'll hear a song and save it to my playlist. If it's really like ambient, I listen to soundtracks, Trent and Atticus, uh, cause I'm trying to get into scoring films. So I'll listen to all this stuff. It's like that. Um, you people be surprised. I mean, I heard this other band, nothing but thieves the other day. They're yeah. kind of like blood. They're like, uh, yep. uh, Royal blood, you know, yep. kind of a cool pop Queens of the stone age commercialized. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of cool. I heard them the other day. I'm like, that's a pretty cool band. Um, I listen to everything. Japanese house to, uh, to Gojira to, you know, Prince, I love old eighties Depeche Mode and Duran Duran. And I'll go from that to it's all over the place, you know? Um, that's awesome. Some of the, you know, country stuff I'll get into every now and then hip hop. I'm a huge hip hop because I love the beats and the production Mm -hmm. and just, there's so many genres, man. I don't really stick to anything. That's awesome. Uh, you guys just had a new album come out a couple months back and, I, I was going to say it's killer, but that's like the name of the record. So <laughs> it it's is killer. <laughs> we should have called it that. <laughs> um, this is killer. Yeah. And, and it's awesome. And you guys are on a break for a few more weeks and then you're going back out in a few weeks. When do you guys start yeah. back up again on the road? We start October 6th in Houston, Texas with static X. Uh, their dope is opening the show us nice. and the static X. It's going to be a big production. One of the biggest one we, biggest productions we've ever had so um, it's been awesome man i'm excited that's awesome well man it was awesome to have you on i really appreciate you making time today man and my pleasure uh, yeah it was great thanks again yeah my pleasure brother